Hello, welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is Great Big History Podcast. We continue our History 101 special lecture series with the Mauryan Empire. So the Mauryan Empire lasts 400 years, roughly. And it will go from the Indus to the Bay of Bengal, to the, from the mountains to the ocean. And it will be a Indian empire. There's an asterisk to that. But it will be our exception to our foreign powers conquer India. The Mauryans are an Indian dynasty who will unite India. Now it starts with Sanjagupta Maurya, who is an admirer slash ally of Alexander. And there's a bunch of stories about Sanjagupta, which is C-H-A-N-D-R-A-G-U-P-T-A, Sanjagupta Maurya. And there's a bunch of different stories. One of them is like, he's a teenage, like fanboy and, you know, he's an ally and, and, you know, he's like, Alexander's like me. Kind of like the way when I was in elementary school, I looked at the cool kids in like high school and I was like, wow, they're so cool with their like, you know, police, you know, they wore denim jackets and had, you know, the patches or, you know, the back patches ironed on of the police or uh, Iron Maiden. And I was like, I was in like in the fifth, sixth grade. I was like, oh, they're so cool. And so there's these stories about Sanjay Gupta. He wants to be, a he, he is a king. He is, you know, He's an admirer of Alexander, a young king who has done something crazy, done something impressive, done something that will last throughout all of history. Who wouldn't admire that, especially if you're of the of a similar generation? You know, and so. He's an ally in the Indus River Valley. Now, Alexander has the idea to go and conquer the Ganges River Valley all the way to the ben Bay of Bengal. He wants to conquer the kingdoms and the empires that are left out there. He has kind of united the Indus River um, by getting involved in Indian politics. He doesn't come in like the, he, it's not the conquest of India is not the conquest of the Persian Empire. It's much more of a local affair it's Alexander picking and choosing allies, defeating the enemy of my enemy, is my friend, you know, that kind of thing. And you kind of uniting people under his quote unquote leadership as much as his charisma. But they're basically allies, you know. Um, Afghanistan will become a major Greek power. With a large Greek colony, a lot of the uh, Alexander soldiers will end up uh, occupying what will become Afghanistan. And you'll get what's called the Greco or Greco-Bactrian Empire that will for a while kind of dominate Afghanistan and the Indus River Valley for a while. It will be pushed out. It will be replaced by the, the subcontinent empire of the Mauryan Empire. So Sanjagupta is a friend. It's an ally. But Alexander has to leave. His army doesn't want to go to the Ganges. His army is done. You know, these are guys who, it's 12 years. 
They have fought every kind of warfare you can fight. They fought big battles, big phalanx, huge battles against overwhelming odds, and won. They have fought sieges. They have fought in deserts. They have fought in the mountains. They have fought guerrilla battles. They have fought naval battles. And they have marched 10,000 miles, and they are exhausted. They want to take their money and go home and to have a beer and see their kids. I mean, they don't, I mean, they are, they have walked off the map. Any map that the Greeks had at the start of Alexander's campaign, they're at the edge of it or beyond it. So they're looking at the map going, I don't know where I am anymore. And here's Alex going, let's keep walking. Let's see what we find. And he has Indian allies, Indian princes like Sancho Gupta saying, Oh, there's rich kingdoms you could conquer and get even wealthier. But his men are exhausted. They have a sit-down strike. They, they literally sit down and say, we're not going. We want to go home. And Alexander goes into his tent and for three days does not come out. He's kind of pulling a, a he's ghosting his own army. And then he comes out and goes, you know what I want to do? I want to go home. And the Greeks go, Woo! and they erect a trophy as the farthest limit of where they were. And they break into two parts, one which will go by sea, one which will go instead of back through Bactria, back through Afghanistan and the, the traditional trade routes, will go through the Persian desert. And there's some ancient historians and some modern historians think like this is Alexander punishing his army. Actually, more Greeks and Macedonians will die on the return trip through the desert than in battle against the Persians. But it was a more direct trip. Meanwhile, his his naval expedition is like one of the great explorers, explorations of the ancient world. It's going to do the Persian Gulf. It's going to do the, I think it goes around to the Red Sea. It's it's mapping. Um, it is one of the great heroic. And remember, these guys are rowing, right? These guys are rowing a lot of the time. They they have sail. They do have sail power, but they're on the ocean on boats that are not really built for oceans. They're built, you know, for close coastal stuff. I know uh, we'll get to Sanjay Gupta. We're getting there. Alexander goes home, and here's the thing: Do any of you have pets? A puppy, a dog, a kitten, a cat, fish. And you have to leave for a while, maybe a business trip, maybe a vacation. You want to go down to Disney World? But it's going to be more than a day or two. It's going to be five, seven, ten days, you know, two weeks. What do you do with your puppy? What do you do with your kitten? What do you do with your fish? Who do you leave them with? You can't leave them alone. Even the cat. It's too long even for the cat to be left alone. So what do you do? I'm going to bet you leave your puppy, your cat, your kitten, your fish with someone you trust. Someone local and someone you trust. Maybe you hire them and you pay them well to make sure that they do their job well. Or a family member. A friend. A significant other. Why? Why? Because you care about the thing you're leaving and you want it to be taken care of 
in your absence. Well, that's Alexander and India. He has to leave. He cannot stay. Most of the Greeks and Macedonians don't want to stay either. It's too hot. It's too rainy. It's too far away. Because that's the first people he turns to. He goes, who of my Macedonians wants to be king of India and be my, my homeboy here? And they're like, yeah, I want to go home. All right, who of my Greeks wants to be king of India and my homeboy here? And they look around at each other and they're like, I won't have any troops. I won't have anything. I, I'll be a foreigner and a, I'll be a stranger in a strange land. Yeah, I'm going home. And so that's where Sandra Gupta comes in. Sandra Gupta comes in and says, Alex, I'll do it. I'll be your man. I'll be one of your local kings. I am your ally. I'm your friend. I am with you. And Alex says, great, thank you. I could trust you, Sandra. I could trust you, Sandra Gupta. You're going to be awesome. And so Sandra Gupta then says, um, but can you leave a lot of that Greek technology, like torsion catapults and the ballistas, and the, you don't need them anymore, and I could use them. Especially the stuff that you invented, that the Greeks invented using Greek science to tear down walls during their sieges. I mean, I got elephants, but some of these new technology tools would be awesome. And Alexander says, sure, I don't need them anymore. No problem. That's the asterisk. Remember this. That's going to be the asterisk. When I say the Mauryan Empire is the only empire, native Indian empire to unite India, they are with an asterisk that they're going to use, Sanjay Gupta is going to use Greek technology to help him do it. It's not all Greek technology. It's a lot of Indian troops. It's elephants. It's a lot of traditional Indian warfare, subcontinental warfare. But he does also have this foreign technological advantage that helps him. So Alex leaves. He takes his army. He goes back to, back through Persia, ends up at Babylon where he gets sick and dies. Alexander's empire almost immediately breaks apart into pieces, into civil war, with his generals fighting each other, first to see who can put it back together, and then who gets what pieces. Um, and we know, since we talked about this, it breaks into th three major parts, Ptolemaic, Egypt, Seleucid, uh, Mesopotamia, and then the Macedonia, uh, Greece, Ionia part, which is Antigonus, I think, in the beginning. But it breaks into these three major parts, and then there's little kingdoms on the edges of those major kingdoms, and they're going to all be involved in fighting for the next 200 years, right? Well, what about India? India is three, 4,000 miles away, right? From all this fighting. And there's Sandra Gupta going, uh, guys, uh, anybody in charge? Anybody? Hello? Anybody? Okay. Well, if nobody seems to be in charge, see, they all care about the Mediterranean. They all care about controlling Greece and Egypt. India's far away. It's hard to get to. So... Sanjay Gupta basically acts on his own. He's like, he is totally loyal to Alex. Alex is dead. He is totally loyal to Alex's children. There are none. 
and the one that is born and his wife from Bactria and his brother who is um, uh, not um, mentally capable of being king are all eventually wiped out. They're all eventually killed. So Sanjagupta is now left to be like, okay, well, I guess I'll be on my own. I'll do my own thing. And he does something <laughs> that is um, fair. He basically buys India from Seleucus. Seleucus is general, technically, of Mesopotamia. He's building Antioch. Uh, he's fighting against an Asia Minor, trying to conquer the Ionians and uh, the Greek Macedonians, Antigonus's empire. He's fighting Ptolemy in these seas. And he technically owns Persia, though it's very far away, and technically is a defender of, if not owner of, Afghanistan, Bactria, uh, Central Asia. And technically, he would say he is lord of India. And Sanjagupta is like, look, it's so far away. You want to come and fight? We could fight. But look, guy, Seleucus, you got other things to worry about. I'll give you 250 elephants. And you leave me alone. You give me India. And so Lucas is like, yeah, I can't defend India. I can't reconquer it. It's too far away. Sure. No problem. And so, so Lucas gets his 250 elephants, which will help him win several battles. He, they actually are very useful to Seleucus in creating his own kingdom. So good for Seleucus. Good. He made a good trade. Sanjagupta, on the other hand, is now free to beat up on the Greco-Bactrians, or at least fight them to a draw, and then in do unite the Indus and invade the Ganges. So it's India on its own. Sanjagupta acts on his own and unifies the Indus and the Ganges. He absorbs the Greek and Persian governors left by Alex, who were in various ways allied to various other, you know, maybe Seleucus and or various other kings. And he is a great conqueror. Sanjagupta's son, who wants to be like his dad, heads south. Basically unifying a large part of the subcontinent. Okay, you, if you're watching the video, you see this on the map. What about the grandson? So the, the Sanjagupta dies of, you know, he dies. He's a man, he dies. His son continues the conquest heading south. He dies, like men do. So the grandson, Ashoka, takes over, and he lays siege to a city known as Arissa. And this is what happens in a siege. An army breaks in. If, if it's a successful siege, you starve one side out. You burst in through the walls or the gates, and then you basically slaughter and rape the, the inhabitants. Sieges are terrible. There is no way around it. Um, one of the more famous descriptions is the siege of the Crusaders at Jerusalem, where we get the phrase, kill them all, and God will recognize his own, otherwise known as, if you're a Metallica fan, kill them all, and God will sort them out. So... Um, that's from the Crusades. 
that's the destruction of Jerusalem, which had a population of maybe 20,000 when the Crusaders arrived, and essentially nothing when the Crusaders are done. They've butchered everybody, the Muslims, they've butchered the Jews, and they butchered the Orthodox Christians inside of, inside of um, Jerusalem. Ashoka looks at this, this ordinary part of warfare, this horrendous but typical. This was not an atypical, no, it wasn't strange. It wasn't, it wasn't um, the Athenians um, committing genocide, you know, making a decision in three days. This was a basic by-the-book siege, and it ends with the basic by-the-book massacre and rape of people. And Ashoka is horrified by it. He doesn't want to be a conqueror anymore. And so his decision is to change legitimacy. To change. To not be a conqueror. To stop his conquest. That doesn't mean he will never use his army or anything. That doesn't mean he'll suddenly be a peacenik. It doesn't mean that. But it means he will not be his grandfather. He will not be his father. That Buddhism instead of conquest, will equal legitimacy. That the idea of a good king in the Mauryan Empire is not can you conquer people and make them obey you. It is can you give them a better life and make them like you. So happiness of the governed equals success. Buddhism, not conquest. Ashoka completely changes the nature of legitimacy in India. The government will help you live better. That's new. That's new in India, and it's pretty revolutionary anywhere else. We talked about protection, right? That was the basic form of legitimacy in most cities and Mesopotamian states. I will protect you from bad stuff. Now, we haven't talked about China, but early Chinese dynasties are the same way because they're constantly being invaded by nomads so it's i will protect you okay then there's the code of hammurabi there's laws and it's and it's i will help you not be murdered i will give you stability so we have protection then we move to stability so government will help you live better so how? The answer, the Buddhist answer is increased knowledge, education. That will equal success. To give you the ability to move up, to do better jobs, to make more money, to be successful by improving yourself. To be able to have the steps you need to go and follow your eightfold path. That increased knowledge and education equals success. So it's, I will make your life better through knowledge and education. And so Buddhism spreads first to the educated classes, and then it will be exported by merchants throughout Asia, following what becomes the Silk Road, those trade routes. And so Buddhism will head east, and then once it heads east, it heads south, into Southeast Asia, into China, into Korea, into Japan. And so Buddhism spreads. 
Why would Buddhism spread? Because it's about having a better life. It's education. It's about happiness. It is a good philosophy, which is why Americans are doing it. We just don't call it Buddhism. We call it yoga. Hey, yoga. We call it mindfulness. We call it um, self-care. But the principles of how you do self-care are Buddhist principles. So it's Buddhism without the Buddha. So it starts with the educated classes, because it has to, because these are this is still a philosophy, a religion based on great books, on what Buddha wrote, or really based on what his uh, students wrote, kind of like Martin Luther. Um, so it has to start with the educated classes, because then it will filter down to the non-educated classes who become educated, but it gets exported to Asia by merchants. Ashoka's successors couldn't hold those territories together. Remember, they couldn't make Buddhism replace all of the cultural differences, all of the lingual differences, all the economic differences. They couldn't hold it together. The empire was too big. It's too diverse. It's too hard to hold together geographically. Buddhism turned out not to be the unity. It doesn't replace Hinduism. It is alongside Hinduism. And it can't replace language and ethnicity as dividing lines within India. And so it couldn't overcome the geographic boundaries. Even as more people become Buddhist, it doesn't unite the north and the south. It doesn't unite the rural and the urban. And so what happens? The empire, by about 180, 185, begins after a couple hundred years, begins to separate, begins to fall apart, begins to fray, and then break apart. Just It goes through the Indian imperial experience. When India breaks up, and then those pieces break up, and India ends, a united India ends by about 185, um, just like Rome is starting to fall apart, and just like Han China is starting to fall apart. So what we see is around from 200 to 400 AD, we see another apocalypse. We see another Bronze Age collapse. This is the Iron Age collapse. This is the classical collapse. We see the end of every major civilization again, collapsing into fragments, into pieces. And it will stay that way. Uh, Europe is never reunited. India will reunite um, when uh, Islamic forces, Turks and um, Turkish-speaking people, I should say, invade from Afghanistan, come over the Hindu Kush, uh, and China will eventually be reunited and then will get a great dynasty in the, in the conquest of the Tang at, in the later Middle Ages. Um, the equivalent of the Tang is really Charlemagne, kind of this great uh, reuniter. The Tang are more successful at reuniting China than Charlemagne's uh, heirs are at keeping Europe united and so that is the Mauryan empire um it starts as a uh, personal alliance between sanjagupta and alex a sanjagupta is able to use um modern technology and political savvy to conquer himself an empire his son will continue that conquest his grandson doesn't want to to continue the same methodology of conquest and violence. So changes over to Buddhism and culture 
that Buddhism and culture, that government legitimacy will be based on people's happiness, will be based on people's lives getting better rather than protecting them from it getting worse. Um, Ashoka will be a great king. His successors, uh, on the other hand, over the next couple hundred years are not up to the task of holding the empire that was put together by the Mauryan dynasty to hold it together. They can't overcome the geographic, lingual, and ethnic differences, and India will begin to fall apart as a united empire. Okay, and so that's the end of India. In our next episode, we move on to China. So thank you. Take care. Be safe.